Hello and welcome to Onto the Ball podcast. I'm your host, Scott Nicholl. Um, I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Travis Morgan. And we've got a special guest this week making what should be his debut, James O.B. O'Brien. I say it should be his debut because we done a stream yesterday and I messed up the settings. It didn't catch what these two were saying. So it was literally an hour video of me just talking and then nodding blankly at a screen for three minutes at a time. So absolute nightmare. The day couldn't have gone worse with that great stream not recording. Then Liverpool got beat. Uh, so we're on t- tonight to talk about the weekend's football. Liverpool's debacle against Arsenal. Man United bagging the three points. Tough away game to Everton. Um, so yeah, how are you guys? How are you, Trav? You okay? Yeah, really good. Positive day. Like I said, positive result um, for Man United as well. Um so I enjoyed yesterday's football for more reasons than one, but it was yeah. a good day. So I've, I've had a good day today. What about you, OB? You okay? You're, you're just about over yesterday and ready to analyse it and pick it to pieces? Um, I'm in a different place than I was yesterday. <laughs> I think I, I'm trying to look at the positive. Still struggling. It's really, really tough. But yeah, it was, I mean, to, to, to Trav's point, it was a really good uh, day of football and um, there was some really good football and there's a lot for us to go over. So uh, oh looking God, forward yeah. to doing that. Uh, yeah. Well, if you've had a tough day, you want to try being in my group chat with Trav and my mate Neil. <laughs> uh, I think I've only it's said about... relentless. <laughs> it's been cruel, to be honest. Yeah, um, it's been relentless today. I yeah, nearly you sent it. you got it today. I nearly sent Neil's video in uh, my Liverpool group chat just to show them what I'm going through, but I thought I'll I'll spare them. Um, <laughs> so yeah, let let's just crack into it. Apologies, travel. Going to hit straight to Liverpool and Arsenal first yeah. because it was just seismic. It was catastrophic. It was Hiroshima. Mm. Uh, maybe a lot of truths, realities have come out. Ob. Uh, I've got a, probably about a dozen questions to ask, and I'm sure you've got a few. I'm sure Trav's got a few. What what went wrong? Let's start with that. Wow. Um, where do we start with that? So for me, when you try to break the game down, the, the, the game was great, but conceding a goal within a minute was never going to be a, a good thing. And it almost leads on to what the problem is with the team. The problem with the team is we're conceding. Um, and we're conceding opportunities and we're making mistakes and conceding goals off the back of it. Um, you actually break down that first half. Liverpool played well, mm-hmm. with the exception of the first minute and the last minute. And I think you mentioned that to me, Scott, last night. Yeah. And it, it almost makes it worse that we played well. It looked like it was the emergence of Nunes as a player and a partnership with Diaz. Mm-hmm. But really, the second half, we ran out of legs. Um, Arsenal what the game. Um, Martinelli just had had that right side sewn up um, in the first half and then in the second half when Gomez came on we got a little bit better um, but the midfield had run out of legs because there were two against three in there and they just couldn't cope they just mm-hmm. couldn't cope Henson and Thiago just have not got the legs to deal with that fresh Arsenal midfield and the waves and waves of, of, of play just before that penalty we just, we just didn't clear the ball um, I was fuming. I was fuming, Scott. You yeah. can imagine my face going, <laughs> get the ball out. And it wasn't that language. It was totally different. It was um, horrible, wasn't it? Horrible. Was, and you could just see that something was going to happen because they didn't clear the lines. Um, I'm trying today to take some positives from it, but it's very, very difficult. Um, it was hard. It was a hard watch at points. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but that first minute, and Trav, you watched the game, didn't you? I did watch the game, yeah, I watched the full 90 minutes. That, that first 58 seconds before the goal, I, was, I wasn't shouting because obviously my daughter was next to me and I didn't want my wife to think I was demented. But in my head, I was like, no, 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 no. I mean, they give the ball back to Alisson about three times in that first 58 seconds. He didn't want any of them. He cleared the first one. He nearly gave it to, I think it was Gabriel Jesus, it just missed him. The second one, he cleared it again with his left. I'm thinking, what? You, he don't want it there. What? Yeah. Just you've, you're starting all wrong. The third one, he just cleared it with the outside of his right boot. Big clearance, and it was from that where they won the possession in the, their final third and just blasted us from there. And it was, 
58, it was almost like you wish you put a bet on it because it was what you were fearful was going to happen. Uh, it, it played out in front of your eyes and it was everything that you're kind of hating about Liverpool at the minute, all in that first minute. Trent standing, his body shape's wrong. Uh, I want to cut him a little bit, sl- a bit, little bit of slack. And I said to you today, Obi, on the group chat, I've watched it about 18 times. He was, he was straight on. He wasn't... Uh, and I think looking at it, he might have been trying to spring the offside trap. But Van Dijk was playing everyone on. But again, he had a bit of a nudge in the back, pushing him into into his own area. I don't know if you noticed it. So almost getting pushed into the box, played Martinelli on. But uh, ca- catastrophic first minute. And from then on, it was just typical Liverpool. We're, we start every game a goal down. I mean... Everyone's saying that this year we've fell off a cliff or this season. But you think of the last eight games of last season, OB, we went behind in seven out of eight games. I checked it today. So this isn't new this season. We were behind the last games. You think of them, Wolves, Newcastle, Southampton, obviously the Champions League final, uh, Villarreal semi-final. We went behind in all of them. So this is nothing new this season. And then obviously when I was looking at the fixtures, the one that sticks out like a sore thumb is the charity shield against Man City. And I'm looking at it yearning, thinking, where is that Liverpool? That That's my Liverpool that I was excited yeah. about, Trav. Uh, yeah. <laughs> saying that I was, I'm excited. Seems like forever ago, ready. That Seems oh, like a Jesus. long time ago, that does. It's man. mad. But, um, yeah, I, like I, I, I just want to jump in because I was shocked again, from you, what you two said on the previous um, stream that didn't record, the system that you went in with, I just can't believe you didn't play three in midfield. It was just criminal to do that. I think Klopp's got to take a lot of responsibility for what happened yesterday um, with, with his selection and the team's shape and the system that he went in with. And I said, um, you can't afford to concede the first goal in that game. And it just it unraveled defensively. As, it remi- as I said as well, it reminds me of like when United were defending with Maguire in the back line, you just knew mistakes were going to happen. No matter how well we play defensively, no matter how much you control a game, if you're not defending properly, you're always going to be vulnerable. And that's the, I don't know how you felt, but that was the feeling I had yesterday. Even when in parts of the first half where you started to gain a little bit of control in the game, I always felt Arsenal, if they counted, they could hurt you. And that's what it just seemed like the pattern was throughout the game, that they could hurt you at any moment. And you didn't cope in the wide areas at all. Like you said, with Trent, he shouldn't be trying to lead an offside trap anyway. The centre-half should be dictating to him when to push out, when to drop. He shouldn't be trying to step up, trying to play people offside if he doesn't know what's behind him. And like I said, he probably just needs a break from the side. I think he just needs a couple of games where he just needs to be taken out of the firing line Mm. um, and just try and regain his confidence from there. But back to the defending as well. I I can't remember the last time you actually played a game where you didn't concede two goals. You're just conceding two goals regularly now. Brighton, you conceded a couple. Mm-hmm. Napoli, four. Yesterday, three. It just seems like twos and threes all the time. Um, well, yeah, like you say, I don't know about you, Obi, but there was points where I was watching that first half. And yeah, we did have the lion's share of it. Maybe 35, 40 minutes if we're going to be, um, if we're going to push it. But there was times when it was our four defenders against their four forwards. And then it was their four defenders against our four forwards. It was like there was nothing in the middle. And it was like, this could end up being 5-5 five, yeah. five the way it was going. I thought, where's the shape? Where's the control? Um, mm. And so, you know, following on from that, did Jurgen Klopp get it wrong? Or is he just basically playing the plays he's got at his disposal, knowing that Fabinho's out of form, Elliot and Carvalho are probably not up to a game of that magnitude? Did he get it wrong in a, the last thing we want to do if we want a, a podcast to succeed is be bashing Jurgen Klopp because that's just something you don't do. But did he get it wrong? Personally, I think that I would have liked to have seen us go with 4 3 3. Would that have changed the outcome? We, we'll never know. We'll, ultimately, we'll never know. And, and Klopp's a greater tactician than any of us. And we've got to, we've got to respect that. And the amount of times that I've thought he's got it wrong and he's got it right. Um, there's numerous, as you well know, Scott. I regularly call him and think, oh, I'm not sure that's the right system, and he's gone down a different route. I didn't think he'd play it. I didn't think he'd go as bold as to play Jota, what looked behind a 
just behind the front three. Mm-hmm. And for all intents and purposes, it was 4 2 4. I thought Arsenal's midfield were always at some point going to start to overrun us. And that happened in the second half. And he, he cannot continue to just get by with these midfielders who aren't covering the distances. Mm-hmm. Now, whether he's going into the club and saying as much and whether this is a wake-up call to go, I haven't got anybody else and he's, he's making noises towards the board, I'm not sure. But the system indicated to me we were going to be in trouble. Um, it was bold. Um, but ultimately, I think I think we were always going to run out of steam, Scott. I always yeah. thought we were going to run out of steam. I honestly think there's a chance Jurgen Klopp has watched some of our previous streams, Trav. And uh, <laughs> I honestly, I honestly think he was like, "I tell you what, Scotty, I'm not going to put James Milner on today just for you, because <laughs> I think that would have just finished me off if you put James Milner on, because that would have just been yeah. the icing on the cake to show." where we are is a depth of squad. Um, but yeah, I mean, did it maybe smack of, he didn't know which of the front four to leave out. So he, again, against Rangers, he thought I would play them all and try to catch, catch Arsenal by surprise. I think he's trying to outscore teams. Like he, he's not defending well. So he's just trying to be on the front foot to try and disguise your defensive frailties. And that's what I think he's trying to do. But the danger with that is, I think, do you know if there was 10 games to go and you were five points off City and you had to go there and win? I could understand the team selection, but with eight games into the season, it was a game you you, you couldn't afford to lose. I think a draw in hindsight would have been a really, really good point for Liverpool going into that game, especially with the confidence that you're playing with and it's very fragile at the moment and Arsenal had the tails up and they were always going to be at it and like you said I think you got overrun in most of the departments um, I think when you play that system if you a lot of wide players now in world football they're not really defensively disciplined I think old-fashioned wide players did a lot of that defensive work doubling up helping full-backs out stopping full-backs from getting round and stuff and I just felt so as much as Trent's defending poorly, I just felt so sorry for him. Just like Martinelli just running at him constantly. Mm. And then Joe Gomez came on in the second half. And like you said, it improved a little bit. But naturally, Joe Gomez isn't a right back. So he's going to struggle a little bit being playing out there. We've done similar things with Lindelof. And it, it just doesn't look comfortable. I think, I think personally, like I said, I don't want to give a massive overview, but... I think a little bit of an overhaul of the squad's needed. I think you need to chop some dead wood out and you definitely need some younger, fresher blood coming into that team, especially in the midfield areas and and in the defensive areas. You're going to need something going forward now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, we're not even touching on Arsenal and how good they are. I mean, they obviously deserve a lot of credit, but um, Martinelli versus Salah, I mean, that was chalk and cheese yesterday. One of them's a young lad. I don't know what he's getting paid a week. I know we nowhere near Salah's three hundred and fifty grand a week. I'm worried, Obi. Have have we made a mistake uh, bending over to Salah's um, wage demands? The one thing that was telling always for me was I don't know if you remember when Salah signed his contract. Do you remember his agent tweeted laughing emojis? Why yeah, would he? Absolutely. Why would he tweet laughing emojis? It was almost like they were calling our bluff and we fell for it. Yeah, absolutely. It now does, it looks it like we have me. fell for it. Yeah, it does worry me that when contract negotiations negotiations go up and you and you get a uh, you get a, a new contract extension with a new rate of pay, we have seen it and it's it's traditional and it happens a lot where places drop off. And it's like they play well up to, up to the point where the contract signs and then everything dips again. With Salah, I think he's, he's put on a bit of muscle that mm-hmm. seems to have made him a slightly slower player. Mm-hmm. Now, it's difficult to say because all footballers are naturally slim. You know what I mean? And they're naturally, yeah. like, they're, they're, there's not a lot of fat on any of them. He looks bigger to me. And it's hard to tell as well on the telly, but he looks like he's put on a bit of a bit of muscle and I'm wondering if he's lost a bit of pace because of it. It looks like he's holding players off easily when he's backing into them. It looks like he's a handful that way but when he turns and goes he's not outrunning defenders. He's not got that extra touch. He's not got that 
extra twist. I don't know whether he's just he's just gone the wrong way from a from a, a muscular point of view. From a, a, a he's maybe spending too much time in the gym. It's really hard to tell because he's a professional athlete and he's clearly he's clearly quick still and comparatively to the average Premier League player. But is he a little bit slower than he was? Does he scare players any scare no. teams anymore? I'm not sure he does. And the, the key is, a couple of seasons ago, everybody's putting two players on him. They're not bothering anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's because they don't need to. And that's because they've, they've worked out how, what he does, how he, go, how he goes past players. And he's probably the most analysed player by other teams in the Premier League, I would have thought. And I think he's been sussed out a little bit. And that bothers me a lot. Yeah, I think, I'm, I mean, you two are on Twitter. I'm not on Twitter. But surely there's a statistician has put together what's gone wrong at Liverpool. Surely, the, has anyone seen any tweets yet? Is, is Salah not think, uh, counter-pressing Salah, like he used to? Is he not? Has he lost some pace? Is he, what, what is Twitter from what saying? I, from what I can see with Salah, I think, I don't know if it's um, a crop instruction or if it's something that he's taken upon himself, but in ter- positionally, I think he's staying a lot wider than he normally does. Mm. Like, he normally hugs that, like, really, like, that, channel in between the fullback and the centre half a lot more than he does now. And like when you look at a lot of his goals, his runs from out to rip, from out to in, he ends up central a lot more than he is now. I'm seeing him picking the ball up and trying to go one V one a lot. He can do it. He's shown he can do it in the past, but a lot of his goals you come from off the ball movement and making runs into really dangerous areas. Like penetrating off the ball. And I think when Thiago doesn't play, who's actually trying to find him? Do you know what I mean? And, and with Trent off form like he is, who's actually playing those passes? He's probably not getting the same level of service as he was when Mane was there linking up. Because they used to link up a lot together, Mane and Salah. A lot. Of, yeah. I mean, if you look at the stats from the goals that Mane and Salah scored, I'm sure they would have assisted each other a hell of a lot. I know they used to look for each other. So I think that's a big thing. So with Mane going, Thiago being in and out of the team with injury and Trent not firing in terms of his assist, and also Robertson on the other side, you're taking away four huge weapons from Liverpool, really, in terms of their assist and their armoury. So it's no wonder that his numbers are down. But I do think positionally he's changed a little bit. I think he just needs to start penetrating the box a little bit more with his movement like he normally does. And like you said, he's a lot less threatening. Maybe that, like you two said, it might be to do with the opposition marking that channel, forcing him wide. He's probably not getting the same sort of room that he was getting before over time. But it will be a shame if this is the decline of him because he's been such a great player and you don't want that to happen for him because he's just signed a new contract. You think it'd kick on, but we've seen it with high-profile players before. So it's going to be an interesting weeks. I think that's a good point because when you think when Liverpool were bang on their game and terrorising teams and obviously success it was that kind of right hand side of Trent, Henderson and Salah. So if you think of that now, I said it, I'm sure I said it to both of you in both group chats, them three yesterday were honking Yeah. so the two behind Salah are honking so, and you've changed like the team a lot, Harvey Elliott's been in there, Carvalho's been tried like it You've had no continuity this year. Rhythm, the rhythm's just been broken constantly, and and, and you're not going to see the same productivity. But as, as Do you say, guys, like, sorry, sorry. be just to finish off. Speed kills, as we all know in the game. You think of like the yeah. the wingers at the minute that are killing it. You got Martinelli, we've seen yesterday. You got Diaz for us, who's probably been our best player so far. And Anthony yesterday, I watched that running. goal yesterday. He's hit the ground running. Anthony's goal yesterday for Man United was vintage Salah. I don't know if you mm. remember with him peeling off, finding yeah. the far corner. I just it looked like Salah attacking space, attacking space. You don't need the ball to hurt you. Yeah, and, and Anthony does that a lot. Yeah, and yeah. I'm worried that we've seen seen the best of Salah doing that, but yeah. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm overreacting. Sorry, Obi, what are you saying? I, I think I think there's a there's possibly a little bit of the Darwin Nunes effect there as well. So if he's occupying the central areas. Previously, Firmino never occupied the central area, so maybe mm. Salah is pushing wider as, as a result of that. But it's, it's hard to know. It's hard to know what's going on there. What I would say is, I was surprised how quick Nunes was yesterday. I knew he was quick, 
I didn't realise how quick he was. Um, yeah. Over the ground, he was he was really pacey at points, particularly for his goal. Um, but yeah, I, I think that he's occupying central areas and, and maybe forcing Salah and, and even potentially Nunes a little bit wider, which isn't going to help the team. No. Do you think that's maybe in Salah's head a little bit that now we've got a focal point up front, I should be a bit more of a winger getting crosses in? Because that, well that be. isn't him. He's he's more about goals himself, cutting inside himself. And if anything, it should be Trent out there trying to feed Nunes. So yeah, it's absolutely. just a mess. It's a mess. Mm. Um, I mean, where do we go from here, Ob? Can we talk about Klopp? Can we talk about Klopp? Um, touch on Klopp because I don't know if it's I mean, forbidden or not, Trav. Because uh, we're trying to get <laughs> likes and subscribers. Definitely not forbidden in there. <laughs> <laughs> It's not forbidden in there, mate. Do you know I what? I want to just touch on Klopp. Do you know um, what? Let me just uh, pause. I meant yeah, to, I mean to say at the start of every stream, if anyone's watching, please like and subscribe. It really helps us out a lot. It doesn't mean anything yeah. to you. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe, and uh, hopefully we'll get lots more content out there. Trav, tear Klopp yeah. apart. Go. No, I just wanted to, from your perspective, no, I'm not here to tear him apart personally. I mean, he's been a great manager, but... I just want to know from your two's perspective, when does the pressure start to crank up on him? Not not like, oh, in three games' time, for, for example, but is there going to be pressure on him now? And are you two guys confident that he's going to turn this round? Because you've only won two league games all season, and, and by anyone's standards, unless you're fighting relegation, it, that is really poor. Fact. So, so where where do we go from here in terms of the manager? Has he lost any of the dressing room? Are you seeing any signs that there's a little bit of a divide being created? Wow, I'll, I'll go I'll go first, Scott, because that's going to take a bit. I suppose flipping it round, how many games has Liverpool lost in all competitions this season? I think it's three, unless mm. I'm mistaken. Yeah. And um, I suppose it's it's the draws could go either way. For me, Klopp's got a season. Klopp will have this season. If we finish 7th or 6th this season, he'll still be our manager at the start of next season. I've got complete trust in him. Um, I think there'll be a point where he'll have to go, right, OK, I need to start rebuilding in January if things aren't going well and we're not going to do anything. The Champions League might hold him back from that a little bit if we go deep into the competition. And it looks like we're going to qualify from the groups. I suppose, and I mentioned it on the, um, the the chat we had the other day, that um, the World Cup's going to change everything. It's going to change everything. So I don't know whether Liverpool sit tight and see what happens. If they're going to go for Bellingham, I think they need to go. They need to go for it in January. Try and nail them down now and go for it in January. If that's what if that's what Klopp wants, that's what he needs to do. The sooner we can get that lad in and get him get him going and get embedded in, and then we can we can start to really rebuild next season. Because we're probably, let's be honest, I mean, a little bit of confidence in the middle of the park, and we'll probably spread, spread quite quickly, is my view. Yeah. Um, yeah. As for the long term, I mean, for me, Klopp, Klopp's got at least, he's, he's got a season, he's probably got two seasons where he could rebuild the team, as long as the, 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 the fans saw it going in the right direction again. It's just about how long he'd be able to put up with... Um, not being near the top of the tree because I think he puts a lot of pressure on himself. The interview yesterday he was he was strange in his behaviour and that was really mm. unusual. Um, he looked a bit down, a bit worried about his his mental state at the moment. But I yeah. mean, it's a case of seeing. I think he's I think he's a bit of a he's a motivator. He probably um, has his heart on his sleeve a little bit, and he he will be reacting emotionally to that. Um, and hopefully it'll, it'll turn it into a positive quite quickly because I think he has got he's got a lot of football intelligence. He will sit down and he will grind it out till he works out what he wants to do going forward. Yeah. Just to follow on, I don't think the pressure would build on Klopp, Trav. I think yeah. the pressure will build on the owners, and the reason for that is. I, Obviously, the net spend this summer we've got a net spend of five million, six million, eight million at a push. Yep. When Jurgen Klopp signed his two-year extension, um, so that he would have another three years after this year, that will be him. Will that be year eight or nine? No, be. I think it's eight. Eight. I think it's eight. It'll yeah. Be eight. He joined. He joined twenty fifteen, didn't he? 
2015. So yeah, that'll so take him up to 24, 25. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it'll be year nine. Yeah. So nine. basically, in nine years, and we've touched on this on a previous stream travel, and we talked about how many sides Fergie built. For Klopp to be there nearly ten years, he's got to build two sides. So for him to sign the extension, he's not going to be trying to win leagues with James Milner and Oxley Chamberlain and Cater and Van Dyke and Matty. He has got to be given the backing to build a second side. And you can see he's probably trying to do that with a Jota, Nunes, uh, Fabinho still um, 27, is he? Trent Arnold, Robertson, Alisson will still be there for a good five, five, six, seven years. But yeah. There was no point in him signing if he's not going to be back to build a, a second team. And that that's where I'm at now. And if you look at yesterday, obviously, I said to you, and again in a previous stream, that our greatest asset is our midfield. Okay, It screens the defenders. It, it gives them a license to push up in the wide areas. It feeds the front three that are so deadly. Now that we're not functioning as a midfield, it's it's quite easy to see. Henderson and Thiago are in their early 30s. They're 31 and 32. I think Henderson might even be 33 soon, if he isn't already. Fabinho is so out of sorts that obviously you've got, you're going to have problems there in midfield. It is desperate for some investment in that midfield. Yeah, That is obviously going to be magnified when Cater leaves for free, Milner leaves for free, Bobby Firmino is probably going to leave for free. Uh, I said to OB the other day, it would be a mistake if we give him a new contract. And this is where Klopp hasn't been ruthless. He's got to maybe take a little bit of criticism himself. No Antonio, more time Arthur Mello. Yeah, no oh, Jesus Christ, Arthur <laughs> Mello. <laughs> um, you think of Antonio Conte telling Diego Costa he was no longer wanted at Chelsea. You're not welcome. Find a new club. See you later. Jurgen Klopp done that when he first came in. You think of Mam- Mamadou Sacco, Christian Benteke, Martin Skirtle. So he's got the ruthlessness in him. But that same ruthlessness should have seen Cater leave, Oxley Chamberlain leave, Milner leave. But he I can only do that if you replace him. Exactly. So he hasn't been. Get, he knows he's not going to get much money for them. So he's been kind of stuck with them. Or has he not been ruthless enough? So, you yeah. know, it, it, there's a couple of angles to look at it. But personally, I don't think the fans would turn on Klopp. I think they'll turn on the turn on the owners. We we dream of having a net spend of 200 million a summer, like Man United have just had, and Man City have every, um, every summer. Arsenal have spent 300 million in the last two summers. You know, we dream of that. We, we deserve that. Jurgen Klopp deserves that, and he's not getting it. And I said today in uh, my group chat with OB, um, if we got a new manager, let's say Jurgen Klopp yeah. left, new manager comes in, we'd give him two hundred million to spend. Yeah, that's the rebuild. Why can't Jurgen Klopp have that? It's yeah. it just doesn't make sense. So if oh, no. if Jurgen looks a bit despondent in his match um, analysis last night, he's probably th- he's been he's been shortchanged. That's the way I see yeah. it. So the owners will come under heat before him, I think. It doesn't get any easier for you as well. Manchester City coming yeah. up at Anfield this weekend, which it's it's a nightmare fixture really with the way that they're playing at the moment. Surely Klopp has to revert back to what he knows. We've seen some fantastic games over the years with the the Liverpool Manchester City fixtures at both grounds. Yes, he had and, and Anfield. They've both been great watches. A lot of draws, a couple of nick games either way. Um, how do you see that game potentially panning out with, with the way that things are going? I think, I, can so, I just make one quick point, Obi? Okay, go on. Uh, mm. Obviously, with Diaz getting injured, um, yeah. Trent Arnold might be injured now. I think, Obi, I don't know what you think, but I think the team might pick itself now because he hasn't got much options, has he? I, I agree. And I actually think it's almost the reverse of a nightmare fixture for me in a way. It's the one that we need to spark it. Now, if we can't raise a game, if we can't have people playing absolutely 100% for that game, we're just going to fade into mediocrity anyway for me. It's almost yeah. like the one that will spark it and spark the fans. If we if we, if we we go in and we've got Rangers during the week, haven't we? So we've got yeah. Rangers away first. Um, and then we've, we go into the Man City game. And then I think we go into, I think we're home against West Ham just after that, a few days after that. And 
if we if we win all of them games or we put up a, if we win two of them games and put up a really strong performance and draw against City, it will spark something and it might spark the season. And I keep yeah. talking about the next game sparking and Scott will be doing the same in his Scott head. said that for the last seven games, mate. <laughs> exactly. Oh, exactly. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. And it's like, but ultimately, that's, that's, that's been the biggest game for probably four or five years now. So that's the game you want. Surely as yeah. professional footballers at the top of their game at elite level, they want to be playing them games. And yeah. there's no game to sort yourself out better than that. I think... I think Gomez could do a job at right back. Um, it's not his position, but he's quick enough, and he, he he does he does defend well, and he probably is a bit more solid in that position. I think Simicast dealt really well with Saka <laughs> yesterday, so that's a positive as well and an opportunity there. Um, and I know Haaland's going to be difficult, but they've had a sighter of him. They've had a sighter of him, and that almost yeah. leads me to think, you know, they'll know how to play him. They saw him in the charity shield. He missed an open goal. They know they know that they got away with one there. But ultimately, I think he is one of them players um, that if you play him often enough, you will start to work out what he's going to do. And um, I, I think it's I think it's a perfect fixture. If it was away, I wouldn't be so confident if I'd be in one. But I think at home... In front of Anfield, everybody will be well up for it. I think this, this it's an ultimate, ultimate opportunity for the, the players to go, right, we're standing up now. We're going to stand up for this and we're going to have a right go. I think Diaz is a miss, but I think it's the opportunity for Nunes to really shine. Um, and I quite fancy that. I quite fancy us. I shouldn't be saying these words out loud, should I? Kiss the death, but I quite fancy us to do something. I think the Rangers game is tough on and during the week. I think we'll probably... I think I'd take a narrow win or a draw there. Um, but I've, I've got this feeling we're going to beat Man City next Sunday. And you're going to play this back to me. And be ever the optimist. I love it. Ever Absolutely. the optimist. That's when, you're, that's when you're going to get the TikTok account up and running, isn't it, Trav? That's it. I'm in there, mate. It'll be OB saying, I think we're going to win. And then it'll be the Benny Hill music with the Man City yeah, goal. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm calling it. I'm calling it. We're going yeah. to win that football game next Sunday. Mate, at least you're not right. sitting on the fence. No, it's good to see you. Yeah, you hope you're right. But I'm worried, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, we'll see. We'll probably preview it when we get all the team news in and the press conference closer to the end of the week and stuff so but yeah when we yeah. when i looked at all the um the games that we've conceded first obviously i did look at the community shield and i looked at the team that we played thinking why are we so brilliant why did we pattern man city up win comfortably 3-1 and it was it was just the standard liverpool side with the midfield three henderson tiago with fabinho bobby up front nunez come off the bench diaz and salah and uh, let, let's just hope. Let's just hope we can do something. Um, but yeah, yeah. we're going to preview that that game um, probably in a stream on Wednesday. So, nice. you feeling a little bit better, Ob? Now you've got it off your chest. Can we move on to Man United, Everton, or do you think yeah, we still need we to can. get some demons out? The, the, the only <laughs> thing I want to touch upon is the the, the penalties. So, the only other thing, like in the Arsenal Liverpool game, was there was two big penalty decisions, wasn't there? There was one, there was a handball that wasn't given. Now, for me, letter of the law, that's a penalty. However, I understand where his hand's supposed to go. So we saw one given, was it Dan Byrne at home against Brighton, where it hit him when he was facing backwards, and it was because his, his hand was above shoulder height. Now, that was exactly the same yesterday, and it wasn't given. So I don't understand far. But the inconsistency seems to be showing through. For me, yeah. personally, I think letter of the law, it's a penalty. I don't think he could have done anything else. So my personal view is I don't think it's a penalty. Um, the touch for, I mean, Thiago did touch him. And he mm. barely touched him, but he touched him. And ultimately, once you touch mm. him, that's it. It's a pen. There's no arguing about it. And um, it's quite it's quite sickening to see. It looks soft but it was never going to get overturned once it was given. And I think it's the same situation with a handball. The referee on the pitch makes a decision and it, it, it wasn't going to get overturned. It reminded Such a me silly uh, rule, isn't it? Such yeah. a silly rule. Accidental handball. It doesn't make any sense. It's called an accidental handball for a reason because it's an accident. It, doesn't, it, doesn't, it shouldn't matter whether it leads to a goal yeah. or not. Do you know what I mean? It, that, that is, a, to me, 
it's it's a penalty because I don't think it was an accidental handball. I think his arms in an un, in an unnatural position. It's up here. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it blocked yeah, the ball. That to me, that's a penalty. But we got a game. We got um, a penalty. A, a goal disallowed in the United game. The Rashford one. And yeah. that was just a joke, to be honest. The, the, the defenders volleyed it against Rashford, and he's just yeah. running through. He hasn't even put his arms up to like block his face or anything. He's literally running, and it, in his stride, the ball strikes his arm. He doesn't even know anything about it, and the goal gets disallowed. And I just think if that didn't lead to a goal, the game would have carried on. It just, mm-hmm. or, or if he passed it to someone else and they scored, the goal would have stood it. Just, to me, it just doesn't make any sense at all. I think they just I need to that rule. It is this yeah. interpretation of, like you say, of what phase of play, whether you're attacking or defending. But who's to say yeah. that uh, Gabriel's arm didn't stop Nunes from getting on the end of that? It was a yeah, penalty for me. Um, but yeah, in terms of their penalty, Obi, it reminded me of against Brighton last season. Do you remember Robbo struck yeah. the bottom of, I think it might have even been Welbeck's foot in the last minute. Yeah. And when you slow it down, he yeah he kicks his foot and it was like, Jesus, yeah. it, it was a penalty and... Yeah, but they both could have went either way. Um, the the ref seeing that kick by Thiago to give a penalty, he was just in the right place. I wish he had a couple of players blocking his view, and then VAR just didn't want to get in, involved in the uh, Gabriel handball. But that, that's football. I, I don't want to. I don't want to sound bitter. It was it was a no, great game outside of that. In terms of that, yeah, from the neutral yeah. perspective, it was a great game. It was a great absolutely. Game. But yeah, so Man United away to Everton. Obviously on paper, I wish it was tougher than the results suggested. I've seen the all the first three goals. I missed the last one, but it got ruled out, didn't it? Was that the Rashford yeah. handball? The Rashford one, yeah, the yeah. handball, yeah. Um, did Hag spring any surprises in his team selection? Obviously, we tipped Casemiro at a start, and he did, and he was man of the match. He must be delighted. Yeah. And we tipped Martial to start, and he did. Um, Varane had a little bit of a knock, so he was on the bench. So I think we took a little bit of a precaution with that Lindelof started, who actually did very well next to Martinez. Um, both very good ball players, um, Martinez and, and um, Lindelof. So that helped us in that game because we actually dominated the game. I know they got the early goal. Um, Casemiro actually gave the ball away for that goal. And he got man of the match, but if you look at his statistics, he gave the ball away, um, I think it was 14 times, which really? is quite a lot. But yeah, which is quite a lot. But he made the most recoveries as well. And I think Everton didn't really sit off, but it was one of the first times I've watched us under Tanag where I felt we controlled the way the game went. And we controlled the tempo of the game. Like you said, the wide players were lively. Rashford and Anthony were making great runs. Um and what pleased me the most about the victory is that we actually came from behind to win. Um, we weren't really doing that under Ollie a lot. Whenever we went behind in games, we tend to lose them or draw the odd game. But we showed great character to come back. As like I said, Everton's a hard place to go. Um, they didn't really cause us many problems. But what we, with what we had to deal with, I thought we dealt with very well. Um, and he made some decent substitutions, bringing Varane on just to shore it up and stuff. So I was very pleased with the three points. Nice to see Ronaldo get on the score sheet as well, because I know I've criticised him, and he's come under a little bit of scrutiny in terms of his conduct during pre-season and whether he's still got it, but it was nice for him to get a goal, because he's been trying, to be fair to him, he looks old on the pitch now, but he's been trying so hard, and I think he's deserved his goal. So it was nice for him to get onto the score sheet. So... Just onwards and upwards, really. I hope we can see a few more performances like that, especially away from home. After the City game, I did say it was going to be difficult to respond in in such a fashion and we needed to really impose ourselves on the game to make sure we didn't lose two away games on the spin because people would have started asking questions about the character and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think that's a huge confidence boost for the squad because we've got some tough fixtures coming up, but I was pleased with the way we played. Yeah, I mean, obviously Everton had the best defence in the league going into the weekend. I don't know if that's still the case, conceding two. But yeah, to go away, uh, Man United obviously done the business. Um, OB, obviously we have a lot of banter in our Liverpool group chat. Are you worried about Man United? Are they back? Are they top four? I I do think there's a lot of of positives when you watch United play. Um, I think the way they managed the game, particularly in the second half, was good. 
even when I think Calvert-Lewin was thrown on and um, he, he can cause a lot of problems and things, but they dealt with it really, really well. Um, the game management, they controlled the game, as Trav said, they controlled the football game and they were never really in trouble, even though the scoreline said it was 2-1, it really was, it was all about United. Um, I think there's a lot of improvements and they're just going to continue to improve. I think he's got his team playing the way that he wants. I think he's 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 obviously setting himself some targets over the short, medium, long term. And I think he's hitting the short term targets. And I think we're going to see Man United back in the mix very, very quickly. I think in Anthony, they've got a really special player. I really do. I think they've got a player who can, who can win football games. Um, and... I, I, I mean, we, we talked earlier earlier in the weekend about Martial as well. I think the, the rise of Martial cannot be underestimated as well. And I think there's so many players playing well at the moment and it looked like they're in, in control. I think in Martinez, they've got a winner as well. So through the spine of the team, they're starting to have winners. Um, and Casemiro midfield is obviously a proven winner. He's, he's been a winner all whole, whole of his career. And um, they're just going to get better, Scott. They're going to get better. And and to be honest, the play, the way they're playing, is really, really, really good as well. So mm-hmm. I can't knock them at all. I think they've, they've made a good appointment in the manager. And yeah, to be honest, I am quite worried. I mean, that's the thing about the Premier League. People are talking about Liverpool's demise, but we're not giving enough credit to all the other teams. Obviously, let's say if Man City are 100% and Liverpool have been 95%, Arsenal, Man United, they've been at maybe 70 Not only have we dropped to maybe 85%, but Arsenal and Man United have come up to 85 maybe even 90%. So, and there's loads of other teams. Obviously, Newcastle just grinding out win after win, climbing up the table. Spurs have improved under Conte. Chelsea are doing bits now under Graham Potter. The league is just, it couldn't be a worse time for Liverpool to show a bit of a demise. And I would absolutely love to spend 200 million, as I said 10 minutes ago, on an Anthony, a Casemiro, a Martinez. You know, OB just to have players go straight in to the first team and make a difference. Um, yeah. it, it, it's obviously what Liverpool need right now, but you, you, you can't be happier, Trav, really, how these players are sending yeah. in Malassia as well. Did he play yesterday? He didn't show played and show played very well. Um, I've been really pleased with Ten Hag's response after the Brentford game because I said, I think I said to you in the group chat, like there was no point employing this manager if he wasn't going to make changes because I know a lot of the fan demand was always about players, players, players. We need to buy players, transfers, transfers, transfers. And just like it doesn't matter how many players you buy, you still need to implement tactics, the way of playing, install belief into a team get them playing together and I think all of those elements outside of the transfers he's starting to get right now showing the the resilience we are apart from the City game which was a bit of an anomaly we are hard to beat we've won five out of the last six and I think we've only conceded apart from the City game we only conceded three goals out of those five out of those five wins as well which is really pleasing which we are a, a, a unit now we're hard to beat um I want to give some credit to De Gea as well, because he's somebody who's been fantastic, um, but had a little bit of a dip in form about 18 months, two years ago, but he's coming back to his best form. And uh, people are homing in on his distribution um, under a Ten Hag team wanting to play out of the back. And they're saying De Gea is not really good with his feet. But yesterday, I think he's showing that the coaching's improving his distribution now. He played a lot of short passes fizzed in between the lines as well, straight into midfield, under pressure, which he's not normally good under pressure. So so I think he's getting more confident. And I think that's only going to help Ten Hag's philosophy because I was a person who was saying we possibly need to go and get a new keeper in the summer to replace him, which may still be the case. But if we can get a back end of this season with De Gea distributing the ball well, his shot stopping I'll always trust he never normally lets you down obviously he has a few gaps in him where he lets those stupid bloopers go through his hands every now and again but generally he is a very very good shot stopper and I think if he can get his distribution right um, and get the back four continuing to play as a unit with Casemiro sitting in front that gives us the base and I think the attacking players will sort themselves out Mm -hmm. and it just well as we've always said 
you're not as bad as you think you are and you're never as far away as you think you are it was, was Gary Neville's famous words and you know yeah. that is just showing it because we've obviously dropped off Man United and Arsenal who didn't even finish top four last season are uh, improving and improving fast yeah. um, I think I've just got one question to end with to both yeah. of you can Arsenal spring a surprise and win this league Trav it's definitely not impossible for them to win the league I think they've got the quality to win the league I think they've got the manager to win the league I think the squad depth 50-50 I think a couple of big injuries in key areas notably Thomas Partey and Gabriel Jesus I think if they lose one of those two players or both of those two players for a considerable amount of time I think they will struggle to have a chance to win the league Mm -hmm. but I think Man City are just that good. I just don't think it gives anybody a chance this season because people are forgetting they Man City haven't actually lost this year. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going into your game. I think if you can beat them and Arsenal win on the same weekend and they make the gap four, five points, then they'll start to get a lot of self-belief. Um, but there's some tricky games coming up. Um, I think... We've got Spurs. We all play each other in and around this time. So, again, just before the World Cup, I think we'll have a clearer picture of whether Arsenal can last the pace. But if if I was a betting man and you asked me, I would say, no, they can't win the league because City are that good. But they're definitely moving in the right direction. And I think Arteta is a fantastic coach and has got Arsenal playing very well. OB, are you having it? Um, No. And I'll tell you why. I don't think they'll win the league. I think they're a very good team. I think they are massively improved under Arteta. And I love I love him as a manager. I think he's a great manager. I don't think they've got the depth. Um, the World Cup's a huge factor. I think they've got quite a few key players going, to, going out to the World Cup. Um, and I think that might have an impact on them ultimately. Because I think a lot of their players are going to go deep into the World Cup as well. The Brazilians... Um, hopefully Saka as well and players like that. And um, it's, it's just going to be interesting to see what happens and, 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 and how they react to coming back. Also as well, what you've got to remember is the fixtures they're having at home now, they've got to go away later on in the season, so they'll have to come to us. That'll yeah. be a big moment for them. And, and, it's, and it's how your fixtures run sometimes. And I think on the back end of the season, they're going to have a lot of big fixtures and... Arsenal of old have struggled. Now, whether they can pass that test or not remains to be seen. But we've seen Arsenal in really strong positions in, in, in and around about Christmas and really die off on the back end of seasons. I think the same might happen. I think that they'll probably, they'll probably be top two or three. But I can't see them challenging City. Same as Trav. I just think City have got too much quality. I think City have got probably, in my view two of the best players in the world at the moment in De Bruyne and Tarlin. They seem to link up really well and we've all seen it and that just that just spells danger for the rest of the league. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the only hope for Arsenal then, I guess, is that Haaland and Kevin De Bruyne, they both love an injury. So, imagine they were out for two to three months. Anything could happen. Um, you still think Liverpool are going to come back and win it, don't you? No. <laughs> I can see it in his face. No, honestly, honestly. I after, I'm not that optimistic. <laughs> after yesterday, I've actually given up on top four. I don't think I'm really? to top. Yeah, I can't. It, I listed the players uh, certainly in my group chat with Ob. I can't remember if I put it in ours. Trav, our players over um, thirty now. It's it's more than half the team. Van Dijk, Matip, Thiago, Henderson, Firmino. And I'm looking. I'm thinking. You look an old man, but again. How can that be when Granite Xhaka had to go on flash scores and check him? He was fantastic yesterday. And I looked and he's 30. And I'm thinking, we've got Granite Xhaka running as ragged. What has the world come to? But Scott, take into account that Liverpool players, for instance, they played a lot of games last season. Mm. They're in every, every competition deep now. If they're a 30-year-old, the 30-year-old with an extra season on top of them because of what happened last season, mm. where they played, would they play 60-odd games? 
Yeah. Now, normally in a regular season, you'd play 40, 45, and that's a lot of football. And I think yeah. a lot of them players have aged as, as a result of that as well. And that's, that's not to be underestimated. That's not making an excuse for them either, because ultimately yeah. they've, they've had the summer off. There was nothing going on in the summer. But um, I do think that it's, it's aged a lot of players, a lot of high-intensity games towards the sort of back end of last season. And I think it took a toll. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, Trav, Obi's been reassuring me in my group chat for eight years with words like that. Just to, to make me feel better. And <laughs> um, what keeps him going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and one last one. Uh, apart from I'll yeah. never get over yesterday's stream not recording, I will never get over Jurgen Klopp not hijacking the deal for Martin Odegaard. We should have nipped mm. in there the same way that Spurs nipped in and stole Toby Alderweireld from Southampton, if you remember. He was on loan yeah. there for a year. We should have nipped in and got him for whatever it was. 25 million, it was something ridiculous. When Yaldon was leaving as well, it was just, it was there. And I, yeah, I crossed player. my legs top and player. my toes. It never happened. He's gone to Arsenal. He's the captain now. He's just another fantastic young talent. Am that... right? Am I right? He was, a, he was a Liverpool fan as a kid as well. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, he was, yeah. And uh, Missed I used to buy him on Football Manager, actually, as a 15-year-old um, <laughs> when he was at Real Madrid and stuff, and he was un unbelievable. But, yeah, he's, he's a top talent. He really is a top talent. But, like I said, there's some big games this weekend. You've got City. We've got Newcastle as well. So, I'm yeah. sure we'll preview those games later in the week. Yeah. Um. So I'm looking forward to that big game for us at home to Newcastle, and it's another every win. every all, game's all big, games isn't it? Must win now, aren't they? They're every weekend win. we look at it, especially for Liverpool. We're games against Brighton are big games now, and Newcastle, and then further down the league, Southampton. Anyone gives us problems at the minute it gives me nightmares. If, if Villa if Villa win today, they go above you, don't they? Do they? Uh, that was yeah, something. Ob just to give you nightmares. You know how we beat Bournemouth nine 0 there yeah. are others in the league. I've decided not to look at the league table for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I've got. That's all I've got. But yeah. it, it, it does show that there's a, there's a lot of teams beating each other. Um, yeah. And there is, it's a really competitive league and there's a lot of good football. So there's been a lot of good games recently. Mm. It's hard to take sometimes um, as a Liverpool fan, but there's been a lot of good games involving us and it's not always gone the way we want it to go. Um, I thought the Everton United game was really good yesterday as well. I, I did enjoy it. Um, and, and we've seen a lot of good football. I think Newcastle want to watch. I really do. So that'll be interesting yeah. to see what happens against United. I think that'll be a real tester. It will be. It, it, it's, I'm not used to having to scroll down to find Liverpool on the league table. <laughs> you know me right up there, but I'm having to scroll down now. And, Have you been and, saving and enlarge the page? <laughs> enlarge the page, make it... Go zoom in to the sea and all that. So, yeah, it's fun at the minute. But, yeah, I'll enjoy it while it lasts because I'm sure it won't last too long. If Klopp gets himself together and shakes up the squad, there's no uh, top four. I wouldn't rule out top four just yet. Yeah, anything can happen. It's a long season. It's not even a quarter of the season gone yet. So I hope yeah. I hope you're right, Travis. Although I know deep down you hope you're, you're wrong. I want to be right. I want to be wrong. <laughs> right, thanks, gents. Um, it's been a pleasure. Anyone that's watching, please remember to like and subscribe. It doesn't cost you anything. It might not even mean anything to you. Just hit that subscribe button and hopefully we'll bring lots more content. So everyone have a good week and we'll see you in the Premier League preview show in a couple of days' time. Thanks, gents. Cheers. Cheers.